Victoria. Victoria Whitaker, how are you today? We missed you on the podcast. It's been a few weeks. I know. I've been sad. You've had some really amazing guests, so I've been really sad to miss it. But today we have Derek, so I'm excited to jump in. I've been great. How have you been doing? I've been good. It's been extremely hot up here in the Bay Area. I'm like, I love it. It's great. I've been laying it's out. It's cold here. It's cold here. Oh, well, it's, it's not warm today, but the last couple days have been like up to like in the 90s, which is, as you know, is very unusual for up here. Um, but Derek's awesome. I mean, his story, he came from Section 8 housing. Now he's building communities, literally. Um, and I first ran into him or his name at, at the ULI Spring Conference. I was like, who is this guy? And I looked into him like, wow, this guy's got a very interesting story. And uh, he's doing like... I mean, I, he's doing the job that I would love to do, just kind of go back into my old community and build it up and, and be, you know, li- he's living in the communities that he, you know, he's, that he's building and changing. So, um, yeah, and it sounds awesome. like he's just being so intentional about his work, which I think is will be really interesting to hear about, too. Yeah. So, uh, folks, please enjoy this podcast with Derek and uh, look forward to please also like rate and review the podcast that helps spread the word. Uh, have a great rest of your Thursday and enjoy your Friday and the weekend. Derek Tillman, you are the founder, president, and CEO of Bridging the Gap Development in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The, what do they call the Steel City? The Steel City. Steel City. <laughs> yes, yes. How are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming here. So it's myself, Chris Papa, and Victoria Whitaker. Hi, Victoria. Hi, everyone. And hi, Derek. Hello. Victoria was just at ICSC in Las Vegas, partying on the Strip. Something like that. Something like that. Um, It's a good conference. A lot of people, you said? Yeah, lots of people. Got to meet. um, Got to meet a lot of different organizations, candidates. It was was really great. It was great to kind of get to be in person and talk to people's face again so it's good nice um so derek bridging the gap development it's a great name by the way um it says you've been doing this for what, how many 15 years somewhere about, around there? About six, you, 16 years yeah 16, can you tell everyone what you do what, what is bridging the gap development sure sure so uh bridging the gap development is a uh mission driven uh for-profit development company we were founded in 2006, um, and our mission is to bridge gaps, to bridge gaps of opportunity and also to bridge gaps in development. So when we say bridging gaps of opportunity, really focused on creating opportunities for minorities, for women, as well as the local residents and communities that we're serving, and then bridging gaps in development, which is focused on bringing catalytic, transformative development projects to different communities both communities that are already thriving, as well as communities that are in transition. Uh, We do that through affordable housing. We do market rate. We do mixed income. Uh, We do commercial real estate projects, which includes retail, office, mixed use, uh, with future plans to do some industrial space. And we also do community and cultural space. So things like community centers and parks. That's amazing. And then is it, it's all in the Pittsburgh area? Uh, it's, It's, Primarily in Pittsburgh, although uh, some opportunities have uh, emerged in some neighboring states. Um, So we are, uh, you know, the goal was always to expand beyond 
you know, the Pittsburgh borders. Um, but I think some some opportunities are ex- accelerating that, um, you know, that that growth trajectory. Um, so as far as active in Pittsburgh uh, projects, yes. Um, but uh, there's there will be some other things happening in some neighboring states, uh, you know, relatively soon. Nice. And then so it's a diverse you're diverse. You do development in a diverse set of asset classes, basically. And is it like, what are you looking for in a deal? Are you, do you have like a certain type of deal you're looking for? Is it kind of, is it is it more impact focused? Is it like kind of what what do you, what's your target deal? Um, I think it's both. Um, I think we're unique in the sense that you know um, we are looking to make an impact, um, you know, socially, um, as as well as you know you know, things like equitable development. Um, but, you know, we're, we're a for-profit company. We're unapologetic about, you know, making money and, and not being a, a core focus as well. And we don't, we don't believe the two have to be mutually exclusive. We think you can make a profit and be socially responsible at the same time. Um, so, so that's kind of the framework of the deal, uh, the deal that gives us the opportunity to do both. Um, and, but I think also because we focus and because we have fluidity to do projects in different assets classes, uh, affordable versus market rate, whereas a lot of developers only do affordable or only do market rate, um, we also can kind of go where there's opportunity. Um, you know, whereas in this area, it may be affordable over here, maybe market rate. Um, so I, I think that gives us uh, more flexibility, a competitive advantage um but uh, but uh, of course being intentional about the social impact components um no matter what the project is gotcha and then so yeah what, what, is, how big is the company like what do you, is it you and, and uh, like is it just you are you finding the deals is it like have you grown the company like take us through the evolution of bridging the gap sure. what gap are you bridging we're bridging, we're bridging <laughs> a lot of gaps uh, <laughs> tell me about that um so you know it's it's, it's for kind of internal um, folks, but then we have a whole team and a whole host of consultants. Um, and you know, they really give us capacity to do, you know, any project of any size really. Um, and that includes our, our teams of, you know, uh, financial consultants or architects, engineers, general contractors, uh, construction managers, et cetera. Um, so we got a core team plus, you know, the, the uh, expanded team. Um, and, you know, what gaps are we bridging? You know, uh, in, in almost the entire country, there's an affordable housing crisis. Um, right. So we're, uh, we're bridging that gap. Uh, we're intentionally creating opportunities for African-Americans, for other minorities, we're bridging that gap. We're focused on sustainable development. So incorporate uh, one, how can we reduce the carbon footprint um, and, and really um, become carbon neutral. Um, buildings make up about 40% of pollute, pollutants in our, in our environment, and, and they're just not efficient. Um, but it also impacts residents' utility bills, um, you know, with, with high gas prices, et cetera. Uh, so as we focus on projects that are uh, focusing on electrification uh, and, and building a lot of passive house projects, passive house reduces energy costs by north of 70 percent 
um, and it's it's a it's a better built building, uh, you know, better insulated, way more energy efficient, and reduces the carbon fr- footprint. So we're building that gap, we're bridging that gap, and that also connects to environmental justice issues. Um, so you think about that. Um, building, uh, recognizing that it's not just, uh, we're recognizing also that different communities have different needs. So it may be revitalizing a commercial corridor, um, you know, but, but also intentionally creating opportunities for, uh, some of the local businesses to have opportunities to, to lease those commercial spaces. Uh, so we're bridging that gap, but then thinking about the other types of spaces that make up a healthy community. Um, which includes things like parks, which make yeah. uh, spaces that bring people together and really provide community um, that that make communities walkable, bikeable, and just really just attractive. Um, so not just building a building, but these other supportive spaces that make a healthy community. So we're very bridging that gap. And one other one I'll mention is uh, the opportunity gap. Um, so being intentional about creating opportunities for the local workforce, for folks in the community that we're working, for uh, minority companies, for women-owned companies, um, you know, uh, so we're bridging that gap. So, so, so we're doing a lot um, with, with our projects. It's very intentional. And, um, you know, I think kind of part of my background um, is, is where our passion comes from. Let's talk about that. Like, what is your background? Where did that passion come from? So I grew up in Section 8 housing. Um, I, I know what it's like to be displaced. Uh, I know what it's like to live in substandard conditions. And then also just, you know, I, I know what it's like to really uh, live in poverty and struggle. Um, and, um, you know, seeing uh, development in the communities that I, because we moved a lot. So I lived in probably 10 to 12 different neighborhoods between mm-hmm. grade school and between kindergarten and, and high school graduation. Um, so I really got a chance to see a lot. Uh, we lived in some extremely low income areas, some middle income areas and on the fringe of some higher income areas. So I got to see different neighborhood dynamics, understand how different people live and, and really the vast differences. Um, and I, I also saw development, you know, where it really negatively impacted us. I saw development done wrong and really got into this to be a part of the solution um, to, you know, help bridge these these gaps and and be a part of, uh, you know, doing development in a, in a, in a, in a new way um, that that really thought about the, the residents that, that live there um, that welcome the development because these communities most of the time need need development. Um, but it's just, um, you know, in, ensuring that it that it benefits everyone, um, and 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 not just you know a, a few. So I, I said that, I think that's that's a that's a key component of, uh, you know, where 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 that drive came from. And then I'm 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 a Christian, so I'm also led by my Christian faith, you know, which which really guides me to care about, you know, the least of these. Um, so it's it's really a hybrid of the two. That's awesome, man. Uh, Victoria, you've worked in affordable housing and uh, that world. Maybe you could kind of touch upon uh, some of your experiences or, or ask or talk to Derek about how, you know, you were on the lending side, right? Partially. And then also on the development side. 
Yeah, so I worked for a developer and I also worked for um, Low Income Investment Fund, which is like a nonprofit thing that lends um, to developers. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think one question that came to mind, particularly as you were just talking about the community and making sure that it touches like everyone and not a few, how do you guys go about kind of getting feedback from the community and understanding what the needs are before you kind of decide, you know, what actions you're going to take, what what sorts of ways do you stay like connected to the community um, and ensuring that their voices kind of come through in your projects? So I, I think, I think multiple ways, I think first and foremost, I'm a product of the community. Um, so my, my lens is, is not one that's, that's removed, but it's integrated in. I experienced the same struggle. I experienced the same trauma. Um, and uh, I, I have a direct experience, a direct lived experience. Um, and to be able to apply that to my own life, what, what made the difference for me? And then, you know, friends of mine that also grew up in the community, et cetera. So I, so I think foundationally, I'm coming from a much different place. I think in addition to that, we, we also, uh, we have robust community engagement processes. Um, you know, depending on the project, it may be more versus the, you know, versus another, um, where we um, present the project, we solicit feedback and, you know, really, uh, you know, are able to get that engagement and help improve projects. And, and there's been many situations where ideas come from the community that we were able to integrate. Of course, we can't integrate everything, um, but um, those ideas and solutions come in, and in a lot of what uh, a lot of ways, it's made the project better. Um, and then, lastly, I'm still connected to the community, so I, I still live in, you know, uh, you know these these kinds of communities. Um, I go to church in, in the community. Uh, my office is is in in the Hill District, which is a um, you know a, a area that's experienced gentrification, etc. Et so I'm even seeing it in, uh, you know, where, where we currently uh, have our office, but um, we, we stay connected. We work with a lot of local neighborhood grassroots organizations to help them with their grandiose visions and um, plans. Um, so, so there's also an ongoing connection and relationship building, but I think foundationally, I, I, I am the community, um, but then there's a, these other elements um, that that keep us connected you mentioned that you're getting involved with more uh you know it sounds like a dream right like my dream would be like to kind of go back to the community i grew up in and start like developing it and making it a better place and like making it better for the kids and everybody like it seems like that's what you you're doing and it sounds amazing like um but not unfortunately there's not many people who are coming from that background that are doing what you're doing right um now are are, are folks who maybe aren't from that background incentivized to do the same thing you're doing? Um, or are you doing it more out of like, cause you're just, you want to give back? Um, I'm, I, I think as far as incentives, uh, it, it depends where you're located geographically. Um, I think there's, uh, you know, different incentives or, um, you know, like, like for example, affordable housing, um, <clears throat> you know, in Pennsylvania, PHFA, Pennsylvania Housing Finance Agency, um, you give, you get additional points. It's a highly competitive process. You get additional points for doing, you know, um, more than just a bare minimum. Um, 
you get additional points for incorporating sustainable development components. You get additional points for having, uh, for, for working with minority, uh, for a certain percentage of minority and women-owned firms. Um, so I think in some cases there, there's incentives. Um, I think uh, for, for us, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's that aspect of it. Um, but it's also just kind of naturally a part of our DNA. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, our name's not just a catchy name. It's something we, we truly uh, are believing. Um, but but I also think about you know, um, you, you know how how you know this this country as has you know has is, is history. You know, mm-hmm. I think about things like inst- institutionalized racism. I think about you know, um, you know the the. Uh, incarceration rates um, that that predominantly affect African-Americans. I think about, you know, the unemployment rates um, and also just this issues in uh, in communities um, that um, are, are affecting, you know, uh, predominantly minority communities. And I think there's an opportunity there, uh, an opportunity to bridge those gaps that okay you know we we need more people to work in construction um or the hospital needs more you know more folks to work those jobs uh, you know et cetera et cetera and how can we really bridge those gaps how how can we meet this unemployment issue um or um have a you know opportunities that deter um, you know, uh, folks from going back to being incarcerated because they don't have, you know, opportunities and really connect those. Um, and that becomes a win-win because it makes communities safer. It makes communities stronger. It um, provides a different avenue for, for uh, you know, for families, um, you know, for African-Americans, for, for, um, for other minority groups. Um, and 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 also meets a, a a need in in the um you know just just in you know overall you know as as far as jobs jobs that need to be filled et cetera et cetera um so so I think we're able to do both and 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 I think that benefits uh, us all it creates a higher tax base um you know now you're building up stronger people which ultimately builds stronger families um, then they can pay taxes that impacts school districts, that impacts local municipalities, um, you know, it becomes a, a cyclical effect. So that's when I started with, I say we, we focus on um, bridging, uh, bringing projects that are catalytic and transformative. Um, that, that's the types of things that, that I mean. Um, and, and then, it, then we, we don't do anything that also doesn't make sense financially. So it, 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 it can have all those things, but if it's not a good thing from a business perspective, we, we don't do it. Um, so I do want to be clear on that, that the numbers mm-hmm. still have to work. It still has to pencil. Um, and it has to make sense from a business perspective, just as much as it makes sense from a, uh, you know, a social impact uh, perspective. Now, now the, the return may not be, you know, as high, it may not be 25%, maybe it's 15%, but it but mm-hmm. it's just as an example. Um, but it, it still makes sense from both uh, avenues. Awesome. Yeah. Um, 
how did you get into I mean, it sounds like I mean, are you like the king of your neighborhoods? I mean, it sounds like you like everyone wants to be, be friends with you, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like you're like the most popular guy at church, I guarantee you. <laughs> you know it, he's smiling. Um what uh like how did you start doing this? I mean, it seems it's one thing. I mean, this is like a, you're doing kind of like a dream. What I would love to do, right? Just kind of come and affect the community, like the community that I grew up in, very positively, like living in it and seeing it while it's happening around me. Uh, it just sounds amazing. Um, like, where did this come from? Like, did your parents have anything to do with real estate? Did you get a mentor along the way? Like, kind of, how did you fall into this, or, or did you this your plan when you were like a kid, one of those kids who was like, you know, wore a suit and tie, just you know fifth grade and was like i'm gonna do that you know like michael j fox and whatever family ties um like where did this come from sure sure so uh we 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 weren't always uh popular um with uh with everyone um uh there 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 was definitely folks that didn't necessarily believe in us um but we stay remain steadfast um and and you know what i believe and what I felt I was called to do. Um, so, but but that is that has changed. And some of the folks who maybe didn't believe early on or or, or now, you know, uh, in 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 full support. Um, we we we've always had um, belief and support from definitely the folks in the community, um, and that has just continued to grow. Um, you know, where did it come from? So no, I, I didn't grow up. You know, saying I wanted to be a real estate developer and you know, <laughs> help rebuild our communities. Uh, what what I what I said is I wanted to get out of poverty, and I'm mm. very clear at it about that. I did always say I wanted to either be a entrepreneur or a corporate executive. Um, so those were kind of general goals. Um, yeah. And uh, I went to school, high school, a school called Westinghouse uh, High School. Graduated. I went to HBCU. Then I ended up transferring to University of Pittsburgh, and that's where I finished uh, with a degree in information science. So it's not real estate. Yeah, not yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I got internships in 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 that area. Um, you know, I, but ultimately, when I when I graduated, I couldn't find a job, and it was uh, I graduated in two thousand four when I started. Um, you know, ninety nine. I graduated ninety eight. Like, a semester off i started in 99 um but that was pre you know y2k when the world was supposed to end yeah so it's supposed to be a ton of opportunity in pretty much the tech space so got my degree that's where i was told there was a lot of opportunity and got good grades went to school got internships but ultimately when i graduated you know um would, would get first second sometimes third interviews but when it came to being given an opportunity I was being passed up. Um, so while I was in my last year, I was in a leadership development program called CORO, CORO Center for Civic Leadership. And uh, I got a chance to really meet a lot of community leaders throughout the city in different industries, business, for-profit, nonprofit, government. Um, and uh, I met a mentor um, or a gentleman uh, who was in a program, uh, who, was, who was a leader uh, in the city and uh, really connected with him and uh, reached out to him and uh, really just talked about, we, you know, stay, stayed in touch and uh, he later became my mentor. But when I initially reached out to him, 
it was to talk about my frustration. You know, I felt like I had did everything I was told to do. Uh, I yeah. thought things would finally get better, you know, from just struggling my whole life to, you know, being in a better position um, and just to be in this frustrating situation after all that hard work was devastating. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, you know what, I'm going to help you. So he set up some mock interviews with some of his friends and colleagues in different industries. And the thought was that I could get some feedback, um, but also maybe an opportunity would come from these interactions. And we did, and I met some great people, but ultimately at the end of it, I still was unemployed. So he said, you know, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> he said, you know what? I'm gonna allow you to come work for me. He, he was a retired corporate executive um, and he had a small real estate company with him and his son. Uh-huh. And um, I, I learned a lot from that experience. He also was on a lot of boards, for-profit and non-profit boards throughout the city. So I helped him with a lot of board work um, strategic planning, et cetera. Um, and I helped manage, uh, the properties that he had. He had a, a huge portfolio, but he had, uh, quite a bit of, uh, assets that I call non-performing assets where I, I served as a project manager to help get these turned around mm. the property management on the back end. Um, but I really look at that opportunity as the springboard for really everything that I'm doing today. Uh, I left him, uh, I went into uh, banking, then I went into nonprofit leadership. Uh, we lost our funding at the nonprofit. And I said, you know what, um, uh, while I was in banking, I, I decided that I wasn't going to go the corporate executive route. That kind of mm. made my decision. So I said I was going to do the, the entrepreneur route. But after the nonprofit lost this funding, I said, this is a good time for me to take this leap of faith. And, and, and I did. Um, so I went back to, uh, bought my own property, which was an investment property, went back to Greg, uh, you know, my mentor and basically said, look, you remember what I did with all your properties? Look what I've done with my own. How about we come together and take this to the next level? And he said, let's do it. Um, so we bought, you know, a few more properties together. Um, and I saw this as a pathway, starting with small scale, single family, building a small scale, multi, large scale, multi. I wasn't really thinking development. I was just thinking mm. investing and having a larger portfolio. And, uh, and, and, you know, I saw this as the pathway that was in 06, two years out of college in 07, um, an opportunity landed into his lap to be a owner of a restaurant at the Pittsburgh International Airport. He said, hey, would you like to be a part of it? I said, absolutely. So we took a detour and went into the restaurant industry. And I really saw this as a means to an end to help fund future development projects or future real estate projects. Um, so we did that. In 08, um, you know, we were in a recession. Um, and during that time, there was a stimulus package to help stimulate the economy. Um, and as part of that, there was an opportunity to, to do weatherization, which is that process of making homes more energy efficient. At this point, I had did over 85 units of rehabs of my own and other people's properties. Um, so I really had, you know, a good, good amount of experience. I branched out from my mentor, started another weatherization company with a gentleman from my church. We built it from nothing to a million dollar company in the first year a multi-million dollar company over the next few years. And what ended up happening around the 2012, maybe 2013 range is uh, 
I felt empty. I was making more money than I ever felt in my life. Bought, bought a BMW. I was feeling good. Um, but I felt, <laughs> I felt empty. Um, and it's because real estate was really on the back burner. I was doing the restaurant stuff. I was doing weatherization. I had my real estate license. I was helping all these people buy homes and become first-time homeowners. But the real estate company was the least of what I was doing. And I wanted to get back to my first love. So I told my mentor, hey, you got to take a more active role in a restaurant so I can get back to real estate, end up selling my interest in the weatherization company to my, my other partner um, and wanted to get back to it. And my mentor said, hey, you do your thing, but I'm, I'm starting another company, started a chemical manufacturing company. So I'm, I'm basically jumping off the ship at this point. So we kind of went in different directions, still supported what I was doing, but he was just going in that direction. Um, so we, we took the company and we bought a, we built a pretty sizable portfolio. And, um, and then, I I was pre, I got married in 2009 and, yep. uh, definitely. And, uh, was, really at a, at, a, at a crossroads like okay me you know me and my wife do we build this portfolio to a couple hundred maybe a couple thousand units and cruise off into the sunset or do we go into this heavily political world of development who who would want to do that right um and what what helped me make the decision was i said well who benefits if I, we only do the real estate investing of course, me, my wife, family, and a few subcontractors that we're working with. Um, but if, if we do development, we have an opportunity to really impact entire neighborhoods for the next 20, mm. 50 years. We could create a lot more opportunity. We could bridge more gaps. Um, so it became more of a calling um, that really led me into that direction. And and, and, and here we are. And, and now, that, of course, that vision has expanded way beyond just you know investing to to large-scale development projects that, that we're doing today so that that was our pathway to getting to where we are wow that's amazing yeah and it's, it's crazy to think about you starting like at the coral fellowship which is like creating those ecosystems to like that's what you ended up doing at the end yeah, of the so day you know the, you know the coral fellowship I've sat, I've sat through some of their presentations at like city council meetings and such. So I've gotten to see kind of, you can tell us more, Derek, but I think it's a little bit of, um, you know, being able to learn from what's going on in community and kind of actually um, uh, give ideas for different projects that could, could better that community and working across different systems. But Derek, you want to tell us more about Cora? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the gist of it. Um, and it's, you know, experiential learning for, for leadership development. Um, you know, it's really about adaptive leadership. And, um, you know, you, you look at complex problems that, that city, uh, the fellows that are selected, you know, it's a, uh, a selection day process to select fellows, but, um, then you really look at complex problems that cities or you know neighborhoods are facing and you're tasked with coming up with solutions to those problems and then you uh you know really do a presentation um you know to uh to to groups to leaders in the community uh, you interview um executives on every level um to get their input you interview community members and uh, you know, and, and this whole process is, is really helping you to develop 
think about problems more critically, um, but not just focus on problems, but uh, really coming up with solutions um, and, and helping to drive that change. Uh, that's kind of the, uh, the crux of, of the Coral Fellowship. How are you seeing, uh, I mean, so Victoria and I were recruiters, executive search professionals for the real estate industry, and everyone's, uh, you know, is being incentivized now to, I mean, they want to do more, more diverse hiring. Um, you know, it's a big DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion is kind of the big buzzword. And, um, I think it's great. I mean, I, I, and a lot of our searches are like tailored towards that. Um, you've been in different industries now for many years. Like how have you seen, have you seen that growth in, in that? I mean, you're a leader, you're a black man. I mean, you're a leader in the real estate industry. You're on this podcast. I, I think you're at ULI too. on one of the panels. Like, have you seen a lot more of this uh, inclusion or, or are, you, are you still generally like the only non-white dude in the room? Um, so I feel like we're going in the right direction. Um, but it's still a lot of work to do. Um, and we just really hit the surface of, of where we need to be. Um, so I'm encouraged by progress. Um, but still feel like we're, we're, we're not even close to where, where we need to be. And, and, and there's still institutionalized racism baked into so many things that, that hinder even the best, um, efforts. Uh, and, and the best uh, in, in intentions. Um, and we have to really break down these systems um, just as much as, as, as we look at it from, from a programmatic level. Uh, I don't think programs can fix this problem uh, alone. There needs to be, uh, we need to demolish the systems and, and really build new systems. Um, and, I, and I think everybody has to take a, um, a, a more active role, um, and not just for a couple months, you know, while it's popular, but for, for the long term. We got in this over the long term, we're only going to get out of it over the long term. So that's really have to be a, a long term commitment. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think financial institutions need to make more investments. I think, uh, I think government needs to make investment and government on a local, national, and federal level, um, not just local in, in these few communities and you know federal on one program. Um, but I think it needs to be comprehensive on a local, state, and uh, federal level. Um, and then you know the organizations, um, you know locally. Um, but I also think we need to uh, you know really uh, elevate. The, the community voice um, and the community leaders that are within communities to, to be a part of driving uh, the change and bringing forth innovative solutions. Um, for example, yes, I am a leader. Um, and, you know, now my voice, I think, is being heard on more platforms, but um, for for far too long and, and, and still not enough. Um, we're, we're not brought to the table to help develop the solution. Or it's like, okay, we, we gotta, we're, we're gonna do this fun. You know, we're gonna do this fun and it's gonna be focused on, you know, 
um, social equity, it's going to be for small businesses, et cetera, et cetera. And then you look at the, you know, the, the requirements or you look at the objectives or you look at like it, act, what does it look like practically? And it's like that, that's not going to help me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's missing, you know, the, the, it's, it's not solving like the, the core issues, you know, the unique challenges that we have. Um, so it's, it's just like making sure that it actually can be, the solutions can be used in a real practical way and not just, you know, it sounds good, but when you really, really get down to the get down, um, it's missing the mark. Speaking of getting down to the get down, are you ready for the hot seat? Derek Tillman. Let's go. The Hot Seat is sponsored by KK Reset. KK Reset is an HR management and outsourcing consulting firm that specializes in helping organizations to reset their culture, structure, and path. They do this through services which include comprehensive consultation to identify gaps and opportunities for corporate training programs, HR services, and career mapping services. They've collaborated with nonprofits, startups, and academic organizations to protect them from liabilities, reduce turnover, and preserve their brands. They have also collaborated with a number of my clients on the real estate front who are not large enough to have their own in-house HR program. So they outsource it to KK Reset. KK Reset comes in, maybe sits on site a couple days a week and provides you know everything you need from an HR perspective for your, for your firm. So it's a great uh, resource for those shops who just maybe it doesn't make sense for them to have in-house HR function. Um, so please check them out at kkreset.com, K-K-R-E-S-E-T.com. All right, Victoria, you want to go with question number one? Well, we would love to hear if you've been reading anything interesting lately. Do you have any book recommendations that you um, might share? All right. So, so, so yeah, uh, I've been reading, um, so there's a book by Michael Todd called Crazy Faith, um, and really challenges you to Mm. um just just think bigger um you know so you know if if mm. i'm thinking about you know uh buying a block i think the mindset is build the city um yeah. you know so so I, I think think that's one and then we're we're all always uh looking at at podcasts or um reading articles about um, just this development kind of happening happening in in the community or or in mm. other uh, you know other uh, areas you know throughout throughout the country. Nice, gotta think big. That's a good that's a good uh, reminder for me because I I often think about the block when I should be thinking about the city. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, do you have any advice for anyone looking to start out in in this field? Any, any little Derek's out there? Yes. Um, so I think, I think re remember that there's levels to this. Um, you know, I always break it down in the context of high school, you know, um, you know, college, and then there's the professionals. So high school is like your entry level real estate investor, you know, someone in a one to four unit space. Um, college is like your, your multifamily investor, someone, you know, doing maybe a 20 unit, 50 unit apartment. And then the professional is your large scale developer 
building things from the ground up. Um, and, and, you know, it's okay to start in high school. I think uh, folks always want to try to go right to this level, um, but you really have to build up to that. Um, and then I would say, you know, uh, watch um, webinars, read books on, um, you know, uh, kind of getting started out. Some, some because it's also about a mindset shift, mindset shift. And some of the early books that I read was like Rich Dad Poor Dad yeah. um, by Robert Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Cash Flow Quadrant, also by Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. Um. So so I I think um, read books and then then talk to people, whether they're an investor or a developer that's doing what you want to do. Pick their brain, ask them questions, and just be a sponge. And I think uh, that'll get you on the the uh, the right trajectory. Nice. Great advice. Um, great. Sounds like you've done some really interesting work. What's been like your most memorable deal or project that you that you've executed? I, I, I would say our first uh, major affordable housing development, uh, the Miller Street Apartments. Uh, it was about a twelve million dollar project. It was ground up construction, uh, thirty six units. Where we really sought to raise the bar on affordable housing. Uh, from a design perspective, from an energy efficiency perspective, from a landscape architecture perspective, we had things in there like uh, barn-style doors, quartz countertops, um, you know, and really just to see the, uh, the 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 faces and the joy of the residents to live in such an amazing space. Um, and then I think um, you know. Be, because we it wasn't passive house certified, but because we incorporated certain it's an all electric building, certain passive house components, um, it really impacted their utility bills. Their average utility bill, and this is gas and electric, because no gas in the building, so their heating and electric is about fifty dollars. It's a game changer. Um, and then lastly, we didn't want to just build the building, but we also mm. wanted to focus on building the people. So we have a, a, a innovative, robust, supportive services program um, that really focuses on financial health, um, you know, mental health, and and, and, and other things. Um, so that paired with the amazing housing, uh, we're we're very proud of. Awesome. Yeah, the social services component is huge. It's not just about like building and sticks and bricks, right? Victoria, we're gonna have to do a whole uh, podcast series on social services. I think for affordable housing. Did you? Yeah, I worked in residential services and affordable housing, so did a lot of work. Did a lot of work there, and it's so meaningful. And I think completely attached to what you were saying about creating an ecosystem. It's not just an ecosystem of buildings or parks; it's an ecosystem of support. Um, yeah. And one last question. It's a big question, since this is called the Impact Real Estate Podcast. How do you feel you and your real estate has impact? You don't have to answer like extensive, like, you know, for an hour, you can just do it. <laughs> yeah. I think, it ha- I think it has impact because we're, we're leading in our city. Um, we're, we're showing um, a, a new way to do things. Um, we're, we're doing it, but then we're also creating pathways for other developers, other developers that did white developers, um, other minority developers, um, which which will have way more impact than what we can only do on on our own, and you know 
it may not always come back that, hey, we got that from you, but you you, you can see your imprint in uh, in many different places. So so I think, uh, you know, beyond our, our work directly, that's another way we're having uh, a lot of impact. Awesome, man. Well, Derek Tillman, the pride of Pittsburgh, you're doing God's work, man, and I, we appreciate you coming on here and sharing your story. Appreciate it, Chris, and thank you as well, Victoria. Thanks, Derek.